Summertime and the living is easy. Fish are jumping and the garden is alright. Your daddy is rich and your mama's good looking. So hush, little baby, don't you cry. One of these mornings, you're gonna rise up singing. Gonna spread your wings, take to the sky. Until you do, ain't nobody gonna harm you. With your mama and your daddy standing by. Summertime, summertime, and living is easy. Fish are jumping and the cotton inside. Your daddy is rich, your mama's so fine. So hush now, hush now, baby, don't you. Hello and welcome to Voicebox. I'm Chloe Veltman. It's lovely to be here with you once again. What's the difference between singing in a jazzy way and being a true vocal jazz artist? On tonight's show, we aim to find out the answer to this question and many more related ones on the way. My guest for tonight's deep exploration into the art and craft of jazz singing is the formidable vocalist and Grammy Awards board member Kitty Margolis. Hello, Kitty. It's lovely to see you. Chloe, it's nice to see you again. We just heard a snippet from Kitty's recording of an iconic standard, Summertime, from Porgy and Bess. That recording was taped in front of a live audience uh, at the Old on Broadway Theatre in San Francisco's North Beach. It appears on Kitty's 2004 album Heart and Soul, live in San Francisco. The track is packed with ingenious scatting and other forms of improvisation, and it sounds completely unique while at the same time feeling organic to the core impulse of the song. Kitty, there are countless recordings of this song in the world put out by some of the greatest vocalists. What qualities does a singer have to have other than sheer chutzpah in order to perform this song in a way that makes it worth listening to when it's been done practically to death over the years? That's a great question, Chloe. I, you know, it's to choose this song to do again is kind of... I like your word hit spot, but it's a benchmark song in um, the, the lexicon of American popular music and jazz so to do it again you better do something quite wonderful with it or i would say it wouldn't be the most compelling choice i would never sing this song slowly um why not because it's just boring to me Uh uh-huh um i heard somebody sing it slowly at the last grammy a week and it was so boring to me i couldn't stand it so quite a bit of time separates your recording of Summertime from your early years as a musician. Tell us about your roots as a jazz singer. They grew in many directions initially beyond jazz, right? My roots were um, definitely not in jazz, although jazz was in my family home on mm-hmm. the stereo. Right. Jad being a big southern guy who loved all the pre-bebop jazz recordings like Basie and Ellington and my mother loved Lee Wiley. That was her favorite singer. Dad loved Southern blues like Mance Lipscomb. So we had all of that. And then early rock and roll was packed with blues, although we weren't thinking of it that way. Um, all the English rock bands that we know and love. And so how did you get into singing? What were you listening to? Well, I was listening on my own dime to folk music, Joni Mitchell and Bonnie Raitt being big heroes. Mm-hmm. Um Jazz wasn't even something that I thought about. Joni Mitchell's tunings, though, as I look back on it, which I taught myself on guitar, were very jazz. Um, mm-hmm. She she was probably much more of a jazz artist than anyone ever thought about. Or even when we take these genre labels off, mm-hmm. a creative harmonic 
thinker, mm-hmm. um, which is part of where we're coming from in jazz, is mm-hmm. creative harmony. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to play a couple of excerpts from tracks by vocalists who've been particularly inspiring to you as you develop your style, your own style as a singer, Betty Carter and Ella Fitzgerald. Tell us what it is about these singers that you admire so much and that you've taken to heart. Well, Betty Carter is probably my biggest hero. I saw her perform many times. She's an icon to me because she is a very strong band leader um, as well as a musicianly singer, um, an instrumentally literate singer. And she is a true improviser and very brave. Mm-hmm. I heard her and saw her um, lead a band. You know, having someone that looks like you up there, although I didn't, I don't look like Betty Carter, but seeing a female band leader in front of a trio um, mm-hmm. is there's no substitute for what she does, and it really rubbed off on me. I think. Uh huh. And what about Ella? Well, Ella, of course, is. There are two Ellas. I think, you know, the ones that my mom and dad had were the sort of the great American songbook Ellas, Mm -hmm. the pop Ella. That's what I call her, sort of like, that's the jazzy Ella. Uh And then there's the true jazz Ella that when you get her in front of a big band and just stick her in front of the mic at a live gig and she's just swinging to the rafters, um, she's as great an instrumental thinker as any of the horn players she was standing next to. We just use these two words that I used at the top of the show because those are the ones we've been talking about, this idea of jazz versus jazzy. Right. I'd be curious to hear like what you perceive as the big difference between the two. It's an attitude. I think, first of all, there are a lot of people that stand in front of a jazz trio or a jazz quartet. And so their context is jazz, their instrumental context. They're putting themselves on a jazz stage. They might be playing in a jazz festival, but they're not taking any chances. They're not mm. getting above you know, around the melody, they're nev- never getting in outside the bar line, they're never going off the melody, they're not r- taking any syncopated or rhythmic chances, they aren't swinging very hard. Mm. Um, so that, that makes them jazzy? Well, maybe jazzy, I mean, mm-hmm. in the sense that they might be picking a jazz standard or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they they ha- might have a nice jazzy sound and tone as part of it too. There's so many elements. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not stretching out. All right. Well, let's hear now Thou Swell from Betty Carter and Ray Bryant. And we'll follow that up with Ella Fitzgerald and Duke Ellington with Cottontail. And this is jazz. Thou Swell, Thou Witty, Thou Sweet, Thou Grand. Words kiss me pretty. With all my hand, fine eyes are cute too, what they do to me. I scream a sweet la la in thee I'd feel so rich and hot For two, two rooms of kitchen I'm sure we'll do get we just a plot of Not a lot of land And thou swell, thou witty, thou grand Little, 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 little
If you've just joined us, welcome. I'm Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox, Public Radio's weekly series about the human voice. Voicebox is also available as a free weekly podcast on iTunes and at voicebox-media.org. To find out more about our series, including how to make a much-needed donation to support our project, which is independently produced and non-profit, please visit voicebox-media.org. Donating to Voicebox is safe and easily done by visiting our online PayPal link. On tonight's show, I'm joined in the studio by the jazz vocalist Kitty Margolis. We just heard tracks by two singers who have perhaps had the greatest influence on Kitty, Betty Carter and Ella Fitzgerald. For full playlist information, please visit our website. Kitty, um, those tracks uh, are really amazing. Thank you for the combination. You said that you, you actually use them when you run workshops for jazz singers, which you do a fair amount. Um, you use them to illustrate what great jazz singing is, right? These two tracks I use during the scat portion of uh, like a six-week class. Uh-huh. Uh, Does it freak everyone out? Because I mean, Ella singing that scat. There aren't that many people who can really sing like that. That's pretty virtuosic, I've got to <laughs> Does say. Does it scare all your students? Well, you know, I can take them back into the scat sandbox pretty fast uh-huh. after they hear that, you know, you don't start there and neither did she. So, um, you know, you've got to give them something to aspire to and that's about as best the, the best scat singing there is. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think when we're talking about this high standards of, of, of jazz and, and how we kind of can, can create these, these wild scenarios with songs, I think one great example is this summertime that we heard a part of at the top of the show. And I'd like to kind of play another example now from that track to kind of illustrate this, this wildness that you could, the things you can achieve when you're really creative. <laughs> Kitty, um, one thing that's clear from this recording is that you're experimenting wildly and you're quoting in the middle of all that scat, which you're doing with it. There's only drum and bass accompanying you, right? There's uh-huh. no, there's no chords. Not yet. And then, and then, and it's a live performance, and you're just doing all kinds of things, including quoting some famous tunes, which maybe some of our listeners heard. Yeah, you know, you you might be familiar with that in the art of taking a jazz solo. Sometimes little um, motifs from other songs will c- float in and out, but you're phrasing them differently and they're over a different harmony. Um, they come out of nowhere and they disappear just as fast. Right in there, we heard a little bit of Fly Me to the Moon. Mm-hmm. There was also a large amount of John Coltrane I seem to be channeling on this particular <laughs> sketch solo in this tune in you know, I guess I, it's what you listen to that becomes part of your jazz DNA um, in in the fingerprint of what's going to come out your mouth, you know, if <laughs> that's not a you, weird metaphor. Do you ever surprise yourself with what comes out? Absolutely, every time. Can you give me an example of something? You're up there on stage, you're singing away, and then what, what was one of the one of the weirdest things that ever came out of you <laughs> that you weren't expecting? Oh, God, I was, I was looking at a video that somebody taped of me at Freight and Salvage and they just uploaded it and I quoted Sailor's Hornpipe. I mean, like, <laughs> who would ever think of that in the middle of Lullaby of Birdland? But apparently I did. That's very strange. <laughs> yes, it's strange. I don't, I don't know where that would have come from 
In that song, the snippet we just heard, you sounded just like a horn and you've spoken already to, on tonight's show and to me in the past about um, feeling particularly inspired by, um, by singers who think like instrumentalists. What's the relationship for you between how instruments play in jazz and how you sing? Well, I, it's funny. I was um, thrown into an all-instrumental jazz improvisation class when I first decided to formally study music, and um, it was Sink or Swim, and the teacher was a saxophone player, and we studied Charlie Parker, rhythm changes, blues, learned all the same things as every instrumentalist in the class, so I don't really think of myself any differently in terms of what I need to know for jazz fundamentals. Um, of course, the voice is very much like the saxophone in the sense that we're wind instrument, mm -hmm. we work on breath. Mm -hmm. We work on a single note as opposed to chords, mm -hmm. um, and we are creating a line or a melody, um, and we work with tone and phrasing. So, you know, I think it's closest to saxophone, maybe trumpet. Where does the impulse come from to imitate the sound in some ways of, of a saxophone? I think um, for me, I never think about imitating a saxophone. Mm -hmm. I think saxophones imitate singers more than singers <laughs> imitate saxophones. Oh, interesting. My favorite saxophone players like Dexter Gordon and people like that all told me that they learned the lyrics to every song, especially for ballads, so huh. that they would know what story they were playing. That's really interesting. You do a version of Anthropology, which is closely influenced by the way Charlie Parker plays the same song on his Burning Bird album. Let's listen to a bit of Charlie Parker's version and then we'll hear what you do with the same tune. <laughs> see where all descended from the family tree down through the long lost ages through the different phases it seems that man was always jumping but if you try to figure it out sure is true you know i got to be related to you man started swinging long ago look into history book you gotta know that it's so yes every single human being is bound to have a brother or two don't forget that it's true the people you know they all originated long ago i hope you see that all of us need urgently to stick together on the family tree brothers and sisters here on earth and now before it's too late two versions of anthropology one by charlie parker and the other by kitty margolis tonight's guest on voice box we're talking about the art of jazz singing and i'm chloe veltman don't forget that you can download the podcast version of this program and indeed any other show from the voice box series from our website voicebox-media.org Kitty, how do you go about scatting in this super instrumental way? I mean, I don't even know, if, can you put it into words, like what's going on and how did you develop this technique? I definitely just developed it by listening and doing it. I didn't mm -hmm. learn it in a book, never studied it, you know, in a class. Um, in fact, when I've had a, many solos of mine have been transcribed by music teachers and college ensembles will orchestrate, for instance, that last scat solo has been done by many, many oh. college 
groups um, huh. in broken into parts. Um, but when it comes to writing the syllables underneath the notes I'm doing, I refuse mm-hmm. because they look so stupid when you try to write them. Mm. So it's just a language and it's a sound and each genre of music for me when you scat has a different set of phonics. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have favorite phonics? Mm-hmm. I do. I don't name any. But, but when I'm singing Brazilian mm-hmm. style music, it'll be a whole different sonic palette. Like, you know, what, for example, what kind of sounds are you making? Well, uh, let's see, in Brazilian music, it might be uh, in bebop, it's mm-hmm. okay. just different, you yeah. know, much more yeah, different. All right. Um, let's delve more deeply into the subject of, of jazz improv. Uh, for someone like me, who's a classically trained musician, it's been really challenging to get comfortable with playing around with the written notes on the page. Um, So it was really fascinating a little while back to get to sit in on a workshop that you taught at the SF Jazz Centre on the nuts and bolts of improvisation. And to get your students comfortable with the notion of playing with a song's traditional sound, you had them experiment initially with just improvising on a, a single isolated component of a song, for example, the rhythm or one or two notes. And it's amazing to see how much it's possible to create a swinging sound out of the most simple units of a song, isn't it, Kitty? It, it's a great thing to do to just say, here's your little toy, play with this, instead of, you know, here's a whole room full of toys, you know, go build a big castle out of them. You yeah. give them one note and say, swing on this one note. It's a huge relief to people, I think, to, that they don't have to th- think think of the pitch that they're going to sing. Yeah, because always it's completely overwhelming if you're starting out, right? Right, uh, one yeah. or two notes. and But it's also hard for people to stick to that one note, too, you'll find sometimes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I thought we could just listen to a few different little excerpts that we captured when we recorded the, the workshop that we were lucky enough to get to sit in on. So it was the song was I've Got Rhythm. And um, let's just hear a little bit of the song, uh, you, you singing the song um, straight, more or less. I got rhythm, I got music, I got my man who could ask for anything more. I got daisies in green pastures. I got my man who could ask for anything more. Okay, so let's now hear a couple of interesting ways in which you break this song down into simple components and riff on those. First, we'll hear a one note version of I Got Rhythm, and then one that's mostly two notes. You know, that's swinging, it's one note. It can have two notes. Kitty Margolis riffing with one and then mostly two notes on I Got Rhythm. You're tuned into Voice Box with me, Chloe Veltman. Kitty, I never realised there was so much a singer could do with such simple tools. Um, with so few notes to play with, rhythm becomes a key tool here. Are there any rules to think about in order to pull this kind of rhythmic manipulation off? Oh, boy. You know, if I could really explain what swinging was, I would. Um, and it's hard for everyone to do that. It involves syncopation, displacement of 
um, where the note is written on the one, two, three, four, like a little ahead, a little behind. The, there's a thing in the summertime solo, which somebody later told me when they transcribed it is called the hemiola. Hmm. It sounds like a blood clot to me or something. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like... Da 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 and apparently it's one of my favorite things to do, but I didn't know it had a name. Um, so here's one more thing before we leave I Got Rhythm Behind, a fast scat take on the song which she recorded at the same workshop. Is it possible for a jazz singer to go too far in attempting to make something new of a well-known tune, you know, trying to be original? Well, as long as it works, no, it's uh-huh. not bad. Um, you know, it's if it works, and that's probably a matter of personal taste. Right. Have you ever gone too far? Uh, I think that's kind of a personal question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, f- you, no, not really, no. I wouldn't have put it on an album if I thought I'd gone too far. But outside of the world of albums? Oh, I've gone too far so many times. Okay. But, you know, then you just come right back. How do you figure out your boundaries? Uh, you know, it's kind of when the audience starts putting their hands over their ears and <laughs> looking for the exit signs, okay. waving for the waiter. Uh-huh. No, I'm teasing. You know, you don't go too far. You you have to have good taste, Chloe. You know that. You're English. I know that because I'm English. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure where that logic comes from. Actually, speaking of logic, how would you describe the logic or mindset that you have to adopt as a jazz singer? And how do you cultivate that mindset? The mindset... The mindset. I don't think you can worry about making money in your life. Mm-hmm. Number one, mm-hmm. the, you know, when you're talking about jazz versus jazzy, mm-hmm. jazzy singers make a lot more money than jazz singers, right? You know, if you were thinking of a jazzy singer being Michael Bublé or something, right? Or I, you know, a lot of these people that are coming along in the American pop mm-hmm. traditional genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But um, you have to also just be willing to not care what people think mm. very much, although you really want to touch people. Mm. You know, a lot of this has to do with words, too, and we haven't touched on that yet, and we probably will. But, you know, w- one of the major things we want to do is make people feel something. Yeah. You have to be brave to do that. You have to be able to expose yourself, mm. you know, to be vulnerable, to be, to let people see in. When you're not doing the same thing the same way twice, um, or when you're doing something brand new in front of people, it it takes a certain amount of ferocity and braveness and also softness and a, a ability to be vulnerable and show people your belly because you're, you're not really... Um, doing anything that feels very safe Mm. so it's kind of this strange combination of really brave and really vulnerable one song I'd like to discuss is Getting to Know You Um, that's an old show tune from the 1950s from the Rogers and Hammerstein musical The King and I we're going to play excerpts from three versions of the song first we'll hear a take on the song as it might 
be performed in the musical. And then we'll hear Wilbur Harden's swinging jazz trumpet version. And then finally, we'll hear what Kitty does with it. Getting to know you Chloe Veltman and this is Voicebox. For full playlist information for tonight's show, please visit voicebox-media.org. You can also download the podcast version of this programme and indeed any other show from the Voicebox series from our website. We just heard three versions of Getting to Know You. First, the song performed as a number from the musical The King and I, which is how it was originally conceived in 1951 by Rodgers and Hammerstein. And then we heard trumpeter Wilbur Harden's version. And finally, tonight's guest, vocalist Kitty Margolis, ran with a tune. Kitty, what lessons do we learn about the art of jazz singing from hearing what you and, and Wilbur Harden have done with Getting to Know You? Oh, oh, I think these songs are timeless, first of all, many of the great ones, and they're archetypes. Um, so what we bring to them is our own subtext, whether it's musical or lyrically. Now, the first two, the first version was the classic version mm-hmm. from the musical. The second version was an instrumental treatment. The third version was me bringing my world-influenced 
taste to the song and creative chord changes. So th- they're really blank slates. Um, if we're creative enough, we can take them anywhere. Tell us specifically about your version. I mean, you, th- you had a little bit of that drag that we also had in the Wilbur Harden version. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, you, you had all, well, you were telling me you have the pig, pygmy sound in there. And <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I've listened to a lot of pygmy mu- music um, from the Congo. Uh-huh. And there, that whole 12 8 that's uh, all over African music. Yeah. But um, the sounds that I was making... Uh, that's a pygmy whistle. Um, uh, yeah. And, and that's where I took that... Uh, motif from, and then I layered up a bunch of other polyrhythms of vocal uh, things over that just to make a cool little pygmy chorus. So I wanted us to be in in Africa together there. Um, I don't know why I just thought I heard that when I thought of doing this tune, but the, the lyrics to it are so sweet. I think, mm-hmm. and I used to open up with this tune because it's like your first tune where you're meeting your audience. It's an icebreaker. This is Voicebox. I'm Chloe Veltman. Don't forget you can catch Voicebox as a free podcast on iTunes and please connect with us on social media. Tonight I'm in the studio with jazz singer Kitty Margolis. We're talking about the art of jazz singing and the vast gulf that separates a jazzy sounding voice from one that's truly steeped in jazz. The song we just heard, Kitty's version of the Pink Floyd song Money from the group's iconic album Dark Side of the Moon, isn't exactly what one would expect to find on the average jazz album. Which brings me to our next point about the art of jazz singing, being creative about arrangements and production. Kitty, what made you decide to arrange this rock song by Pink Floyd? Well, it's in it's it's in an odd meter, one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So it's in seven, mm. which makes it interesting. Mm. Um, it also spoke to the times when I was recording, which was when the first dot com boom and bust. Mm-hmm. When I was recording, the boom was coming. Mm-hmm. By the time I mixed and packaged, the bust had happened. Ah. So I saw San Francisco change. Mm-hmm. A lot of these things. Things we sing about need to be about real life, in my opinion. They're mm-hmm. not just like, bring me into your bubble for an hour, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so I was just reacting to the times around me. Um, but I didn't want to do it like Pink Floyd exactly. So we wanted to get kind of a... It, it's a little creepy, don't you think? This yeah, it's definitely quite sinister. Do you see any difference between reinventing jazz standards and arranging songs that come from outside the regular jazz repertoire? Yes, it's harder to uh, create jazz arrangements out of pop tunes because there's not as much existent harmony Mm -hmm. in them. The chords are often 
quite much more simple. Mm-hmm. Um, they aren't built in swing, swinging songs. But you can, I mean, because they're so simple, doesn't that give you license to do all kinds of wacky things with them? It does give you a lot of license. Now, whether you can pull it off is the big question. Oh, okay. Well, I'd like to bring Kitty's producer and husband, Alfonso Montuari, into the discussion for a moment. Hello, Alfonso. You've been sitting there so quietly throughout our conversation so far. But if you don't mind, I'd love to ask you, uh, what to you makes a great vocal jazz track from a production standpoint? Well, I mean, there's a... I think if you're looking at jazz tracks today, then uh, I think for me, what's most interesting is a jazz singer who goes in a new direction and really does something different. I think there are a lot of people doing loving recreations, and that's mm. that's wonderful. But for, for me, the excitement is when somebody like uh, Kitty takes, whether it's an older tune like Getting to Know You or Money, and mm. does something really unusual with it. So you really get the feeling that she sort of brought herself into mm-hmm. this tune in a bigger way, not just through the vocal interpretation, but through the whole sound. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you collaborate with Kitty on her songs? What's with the process? great difficulty. <laughs> well, you're life. married to her too, so that must add an extra layer of excitement. But what, uh, tell us a bit more about the collaboration. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, typically it begins with with long periods of listening to music and sort of trying to explore what is uh, uh, stimulating and interesting and inspiring for Kitty at this particular point. Um, and so there's sort of a selection of tunes that emerges. And we, we never start with anything particular in mind, like a theme mm. or anything, really. That's not historically what we've done. It's just whatever, whatever Kitty is into at any particular point, and we sort of bring it down. We try it out, see what works, and take it from there. You're listening to Voicebox. to sing while we're young Every day is spring while You're tuned into Voicebox with me, Chloe Veltman. Tonight I'm in the studio chatting about the art of jazz vocals with singer Kitty Margolis. Also on hand is Kitty's producer and partner in life, Alfonso Montuori. Visit voicebox-media.org for detailed playlist information and anything else that you might like to know about our project. The song we just heard, While We're Young, illustrates another important part of a jazz singer's skill set, the ability to tell a convincing story. Kitty, please tell us about how you approach the narrative aspect of While We're Young. Well, that's no different than approaching the narrative aspect of any lyric. I think it's you have to look at these lyrics as blank slates for your own story, which is bringing your own subtext to the song. Why would I choose this song right now? Um, what do I have to add of my own emotion to make this real for everybody? This song happens to have great lyrics, but lots of the songs are have lyrics that are a little bit more trite, moons and junes, and still they're almost archetypes. I use that word a lot, but they're, they're blank slates for your own experience. So this is a question of finding... I mean, this song came to me 
because uh, my father had died and I was watching my mother's reaction. Um, she was in the audience that night mm -hmm. and uh, I was feeling a lot of feelings and singing about real life, bringing real life to these songs, your real life, is the only way anybody else is going to feel anything, in my opinion. So um, is it important that a singer should be able to relate in a personal way to the song they're singing? I mean, does it have to be sort of like method acting to you? Um, I don't even think of it as acting. People will always say, oh, you would make a great actress, but I think I'd make a really terrible actress <laughs> because I can't, I never plan anything I'm going to say. It's so hard for me to even plan patter between songs. I completely trip over myself if I try. Mm. I'm a true improviser, um, not an actress. So I think taking acting, it's it's nobody else but me anywhere. Mm -hmm. I have a song called Nobody Else But Me, actually. I should have brought it. <laughs> so, But it has to have a personal connection for you, does it, in order to sing it? The great singers are coming from their heart. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that means their, them, their core self. I mean, it's not anybody else singing it. So uh, how, how should uh, an aspiring jazz singer, someone who really wants to learn their craft, go about sharpening their storytelling skills? I think they should look at the words as a talk. They should say them out loud without any music and think about every line and what every word means and really go into the song. Don't skate over it like it's a bunch of sounds. I hear people, you know, I've taught for many, many years and people bring the song in and sing it nicely but they don't know what they're singing about at all until yeah. we stop and say the lyric and I ask them about what that means uh -huh. and then I ask them what does that mean to them and have they ever been in a situation like this where are they what are they standing on where are they sitting who are they talking to what are they wearing what time of year is it what happened just before this what's going to happen just after this I mean you could be singing to a child or a dog in some of these songs if you wanted to Heart and soul fell in love with you heart and soul the way a fool would do madly because you held me tight and stole a kiss in the Ella Fitzgerald with Heart and Soul. It strikes me, Kitty, that we can talk about the nuts and bolts of jazz singing till we're hoarse and we still won't have come up with a complete recipe for success because there's this intractable, woolly part of your art that's just not easy to put into words. But soul is perhaps the closest thing we have in our language to capturing the essence of what the art of jazz singing is. Is it possible to pin this thing we call soul down, Kitty? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's very intangible and hard to talk about. Out, but it you you know it when you hear it. Mm. How much has soul got to do with the quality or timbre of a singer's voice? We haven't really talked about that tonight yet. Um, I think sometimes the less trained voices can be more transparently soulful mm. because you're not hearing the technique out front. Right. Um, so of course you know when you hear a great opera singer, you you know if they're soul. 
but it's not as transparent to me. Mm-hmm. When you hear somebody like Aretha mm-hmm. or, you know, name any soulful artist that's not coming from a purely a more technique-driven direction, there's no doubt um, that if you're hearing soul or not, I mean, you know it. That's about all we have time for tonight. Thanks very much, Kitty and Alfonso, for coming to the studio to share your inspiring thoughts about the art of jazz vocals. Thanks, Lily. I think that we should do this every weekend. You can find Kitty Margolis online at kittymargolis.com. That's K-I-T-T-Y-M-A-R-G-O-L-I-S.com. Voicebox is an independently produced non-profit project recorded at the studios of KALW in San Francisco. The series producer is Seth Samuel. The web editor is Mari Amund. And the social media manager is Elio Bucky. Rachel Hamburg is our reporter. I'm Chloe Veltman. Please join dozens of organisations and individuals in supporting Voicebox. You can make a safe and easy donation by visiting voicebox-media.org or feel free to mail us a cheque. We're a non-profit project, so all donations made to Voicebox are tax deductible. Find out more and send your questions and comments to voicebox-media.org. Please connect with us on Twitter and Facebook. And if you're looking for me on Twitter, my handle is at Chloe Veltman. I'd like to play us out with one more track from tonight's guest, Kitty Margolis. Here's the vocalist's take on The Night Has a Thousand Eyes. Have a songful week. for heart.